you're listening to the I'm Thinking of Having a Baby podcast. I'm Hannah Erickson, New Zealand registered dietitian and owner of Oh Goodness Nutrition, an online consultancy taking the confusion out of eating well for conception, pregnancy and post-baby. If you're thinking of conceiving, say, in the next 12 months, I've created a special resource for you. Whether you believe me or not, getting the right type and amounts of different foods is never more critical than in the lead-up to conception and pregnancy. So you can download your free checklist to ensure that you're on the right track. Um, The link is in the show notes. Also, I had a wee mix-up when we talk about kombucha later in the episode. I meant to say I drank it while trying to get pregnant, not while I was pregnant. Alright, let's get into today's episode. So for those listeners who tuned into the previous episode um, on the I'm Thinking of Having a Baby podcast, we covered five um, changes or habit changes that you need to make for a healthy conception and pregnancy. Now, I've got Catherine uh, from Brisbane. She's a fertility dietitian and you specialize in IVF. Is that right? That's right, Hannah. So I mainly work with women uh, and couples trying to conceive, uh, but I also largely see couples who are preparing for their IVF treatment. Very valuable. On this podcast, we're talking about another habit, which is so, so common, uh, specifically about caffeine. Now, are you a big coffee drinker? I have to admit, I do have my one coffee a day every morning. <laughs> That's not a lot. <laughs> Oh, funny. Yeah, I think when we're talking about coffee, it, it's um, absolutely one of my favorite topics um, because it's one of the top questions that, uh, you know, women always ask me, how much coffee can I drink? That's great because obviously you've, you've done a bit of research around it. So why don't we uh, dive in then to the first question. Can you tell me, so why is caffeine something that we should be aware of in planning a pregnancy and how that's different from then when we're pregnant? Sure. So caffeine is present in many drinks and food, such as in your coffee, black tea, uh, or green tea, for example. Now, caffeine is actually a stimulant, so which means after five or 30 minutes after having it, it actually increasing your brain and nervous system activity and raises your cortical and adrenaline hormones in your body. So in small doses of caffeine, it can make you feel more alert and focused, but for some people they can be highly sensitive to caffeine as well so what it means is having a small amount can also make them feel a little bit more anxious difficult in sleeping or having digestive issue now uh, talking about if you are preparing for pregnancy or you're currently pregnant or breastfeeding too much caffeine can actually be harmful because research shows that it does associate with adverse pregnancy complications so there is actually certain limit when it comes to your caffeine intake during this period of time okay so to clarify you're saying when you're trying to have a baby when you're pregnant and when you are breastfeeding, we need to be aware of how much caffeine we're getting from all these kind of sources, the tea, the coffee and the food. Yeah, okay, that's so- right. So generally speaking for general population, so a typical adult, uh, the recommendations advice that is to keep to 400 milligram per day, which is equivalent 
to if you drink espresso coffee, that's roughly about, I would say, three to four cups of espresso coffee a day. But if you are trying to conceive during pregnancy or breastfeeding, the recommendation basically is 50% less. So no more than about 200 milligrams per day, which is really, if you're looking at espresso, that's equivalent to about one espresso coffee a day. Yep. Yep. Definitely. And it depends how strong your coffee is. So you've given espresso. What if you have say instant coffee? Yeah, so instant coffee, the caffeine contains a little bit less. Uh, if we're looking at typically, say, if you add one teaspoon of instant coffee powder, it's roughly about 80 milligram. So put it that way. So that would translate to roughly about two or three cups a day, depending, again, the amount of caffeine content can vary depending on the brand. Yes. So it's tricky, though, if you're thinking 200 milligrams in total per day from all sources, if you drink coffee and that's all the caffeinated food or beverage that you have, that's fine. But what if you, you know, drink tea? So sometimes I suppose the real world picture would be women need to think about what your typical drinking habits are, if it's caffeinated beverages, and if you have chocolate as well, Mm. um, you know, how to Mm. sort of balance it so that that 200 milligrams, which isn't actually a lot, if you're thinking one coffee, um, be quite tricky, right, to manage. Yeah. So I suppose the first step is you want to really think about in your diet, what are the caffeinated foods? So we always focus on coffee, but like Hannah, you mentioned that in, you know, if you drink black tea, green tea, and don't forget about a soda or energy drink, or even, you know, chocolate, chocolate bar, energy bar. Uh, So these other food items may also contain caffeine as well. So it all add up. Absolutely. We need to factor in all the food sauce and beverage we, we, we take. So maybe choose your poison, you know, pick your favorite. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So what you're saying is there is such a thing as too much caffeine. And you've told us what our limit is when we're pregnant breastfeeding about 200 milligrams. And so mm-hmm. would you recommend, say you mentioned anxiety and some women might feel more susceptible to the effects of caffeine than others. Would you recommend on a case-by-case basis some women maybe limit their caffeine intake altogether? Yeah, it's really a good um, question. If you know that you can't tolerate caffeine, just, you know, general basis, uh, definitely I would, you know, advise is to try to avoid caffeine as much as you you can. Cases that I tend to see that is, um, say, for example, if you uh, I got clients who drink a lot of coffee, it actually triggers a lot of reflux. They may not even know of. So then my, my first step working in terms of reflux is to really cut down that caffeine intake. Same for that level of anxiety as well. So perhaps you want to try it out to cut down your caffeine, maybe down to the minimum uh, you know, amount and see whether it does make a difference to your body. Yeah, definitely. Now you mentioned earlier on the adverse Um, effects of caffeine. Could you go into a bit more detail about what the research tells us about the effects that caffeine can have on a developing baby? Yeah. So in terms of the caffeine impact and pregnancy health risk, the research is actually uh, pretty strong. Uh, There was a current previous study found that caffeine consumption during pregnancy was related to an increased risk of miscarriage, stillbirth, low birth weight, 
uh, and also having a small gestational age baby. Now, what is interesting as well is it appears that it is dose dependent. So what the research uh, highlighted is for every 100 milligram per day of increment uh, with your caffeine consumption, it seems like the risk of miscarriage as well in the, that early pregnancy phase also increased by 14%. So this is also why some experts also argue that um, women uh, should also uh, avoid completely with caffeine intake because uh, suggests that there's no safe levels of coffee intake during pregnancy, uh, which is, I thought that's very interesting. Mm, I agree with you. And it's quite clear you're saying in the research that the more caffeine we have, the greater the risk of miscarriage. And obviously no pregnant woman wants to experience that stillbirth, small for gestation. You, you know, you want the healthiest baby possible. So that's just for pregnancy, but caffeine prior, like if you're conceiving, you'd still recommend say stick to the 200 milligrams um, in the lead up to conception. Then once you find out you're pregnant, maybe it's up to each individual woman to decide how much caffeine they're going to have, but you're saying actually zero caffeine is the best option given that the, the effects could potentially, you know, the risks rather increase with the more caffeine that you do have. Yeah. So I definitely, uh, the first step is we want to keep that overall caffeine intake down to the safety limit. And I always explain to my patient is, look, um, the research showing that the more caffeine you have, the higher risk, and it's up to them to decide. Uh, I'll always give them a choice uh, whether or not they want to avoid completely during pregnancy. Uh, but in my experience, most pregnant women usually will, you know, just try to avoid everything. Like they just want to uh, have the healthiest baby uh, possible they can. Now, um, in terms of caffeine and fertility, so for all of you listening in, trying for baby as well, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting as well when we're looking into research. There was a study published in 2018, which consists of over more than 10,000 women. What they found as well, there is positive association between pre-pregnancy coffee consumption with the risk of early pregnancy loss. So it seems like it actually also increased the early miscarriage risk as well. Now, um, what is also interesting to know is that uh, in terms of the amount, how much the women actually drinking, so they're actually looking at uh, for over four cups of coffee intake, so four servings per day of uh, coffee intake. Uh, for these women, uh, they actually had a 20% increased risk of early pregnancy miscarriage. So wow. you can see that this is why we also advise uh, women, if you're trying to conceive, you also want to pay attention to your caffeine intake. That's excellent. Thank you so much for sharing. I, I, I'm not sure that a lot of um, people out there really understand the effects of mm. caffeine intake, specifically on fertility and pregnancy. Um, that's amazing. I mean, we do have an understanding that you know too much coffee can lead to more anxiety and that's a big problem but wow if that's mm. right if you're trying for a baby really being aware of it so high doses of caffeine right uh can actually also impact on male fertility and sperm dna damage as well but it's interesting again not so much on the coffee from you know the caffeine from the coffee but for men it's actually more on soda and the energy drink 
Yes. So it's not just the women always have to do the work. <laughs> Absolutely, for the you know your male partner as well, they also need to change uh, their eating habits as well. Okay, so if you're not drinking a lot of coffee, you know you make that decision yourself that you're going to try and limit it. What on earth can you have um, better <laughs> caffeine-free alternatives? Um, so a lot of people also ask me, what about decaffeinated coffee? Are they okay to drink? So uh, one important point is decaffeinated coffee actually still contain caffeine, right? So a lot of people think that, oh, it's actually completely caffeine-free. But in fact, they actually still contain a very small amount of caffeine in there. Um, so, you know, if you do go down to decaf coffee, make sure that you still watch out for how much you are drinking. Um, when I look into study as well, Hannah, um, it's, I found that there was one study also shows that uh, when women, this is talking about when they're trying to conceive pre, pre-pregnancy consumption, they found that um, for women who drink caffeinated and decaffeinated coffee, uh, they are actually an associated increased risk of early pregnancy loss. So what the study highlighted suggests that they may be other component in the coffee itself can actually increase that risk of miscarriage. So it's not just the caffeine don't know what those components are at this point yeah we don't know so again pay attention with how much decaf coffee you are drinking okay good to know yeah the second caffeine alternative that uh, i always got asked from my patient is kombucha um so kombucha is actually made with black or green tea uh, so it does still contain caffeine so make sure that you don't overindulge kombucha as well. Uh, and one thing also to note that if you are currently pregnant, kombucha is actually not suitable to drink uh, because uh, potentially it might have a mixture of different types of bacteria and yeast in there. And just then we'll know whether it's safe for you and your baby. And kombucha is not pasteurized as well. So we definitely not encourage pregnant women to consume. And the other aspect of kombucha is there it's a fermented product. So the chances mm-hmm. are that there is some alcohol in it as well. It's it's minute, um, but there is still some alcohol. And obviously the recommendations yeah. for having any alcohol in pregnancy is let's keep that to an absolute minimum, um, zero if, if possible. I know when I was pregnant, kombucha yeah. was my go-to. I was trying to reduce how much caffeinated beverages I had. So I really enjoyed, or alcoholic beverages, actually. I was trying to, to not drink alcohol <laughs> when I was trying to conceive. So what do you do when you go out for a beverage? I was choosing kombucha, but then I got pregnant and I'm like, now what? I actually have a few options for you to choose from. So uh, one of the things that I will suggest is, okay, if you like a bit of fruity flavor, you can actually make your own fruit infused tea. So you can cut up, like say, chop up uh, strawberries or berries, a little bit of uh, lime, for example, just make it like a fruity infused tea, basically. But this day, you can also get a fruit infused tea bag as well. Um, And then you just put it in your drink, you can make it cold, or even warm as well, depending on how you want to enjoy them. Uh, My second favorite is you can also make like a green protein smoothie. So you can mix up 
spinach cucumber frozen uh, pineapple or mango and a little bit of you know pure protein powder so that it makes you feel refreshing as well and it's nutritionally packed my third favorite as well and a little pregnant women quite enjoy as well it's a bit of uh, lemongrass ginger tea so you can actually you know blend it up a small amount and make it in a warm you know tea as well so this is particularly very soothing especially if you feel a bit nausea in the early phase of your pregnancy as well so that's one of the popular drinks so how would you make it how much lemongrass how much ginger oh very very small amount because you don't want to <laughs> be too spied up with all these ingredients so really yeah. just um i would probably say that just you know chop it up like a one little teaspoon um, yeah, and you can put it in, in your blender, just blend it to very fine uh, texture and just yep. put in a tea, like a, a tea bag, basically. Um, yep. Just yeah, just put in warm water. So yep. that can be quite a soothing and refreshing tea. Hey, that's such a great idea. Because, I mean, you could buy sort of ginger tea, you know, like lemon and ginger teas mm-hmm. on the market. You know, that's an option. Um, but I love it, well. making yep. your own lemongrass. That's really cool. And, if yeah, if you have one of those tea strainers, you can just steep it. Oh, delicious. And I've, I've had some clients do mint tea as well, like mint from their garden. They'll just put that in some yep. hot water. Um, it's not quite the same. I get it. It doesn't give you that energy boost that you need. Um, in the morning, yeah. you know, kind of why we reach for coffee or why we choose alcohol for the relaxation. It's not quite the same. Uh, but I suppose if you've got that perspective, look, I'm trying to do the best for my baby. I'm trying to make mm-hmm. sure that I can create or, or ensure that this environment my baby is growing in is the healthiest. It's totally worth it, especially if you're looking at the risks being uh, miscarriage, stillbirth or small for gestational age babies. I was going to say, well, they do it for nine months, so hang in there and also doing breastfeeding period. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, because that's right. I mean, we're talking sort of if you're trying to conceive, reducing your caffeine intake, mm. nine months of pregnancy, and then if you're breastfeeding for yeah. duration too. So it is actually, though, quite a high calling, isn't it, for women? Yeah, but I also want to reassure everybody that there's so many other options we can talk about. So absolutely during the consultation, uh, I quite often not just eliminate, talk about food you can't eat. It's so important that we also give you guys the options, what you can still enjoy, isn't it, Hannah? Yes. Oh my goodness. And everybody is different. So each dietitian will work with their clients to find out their preference and come up with excellent substitutes so that you don't feel like you're missing out too much. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, there was one that I wanted to mention as well. Mm. And we think of, if we talk about caffeine, reducing caffeine, mm. we often think of rooibos because we it's naturally caffeine-free. And uh, some women would say, well, what about rooibos? Can I have that instead? And it's interesting, mm. when it comes to herbal teas, and rooibos is an example of that, um, there are some that are safe to have and shown to be safe to have, and there are others that are not shown to be safe to have. And unfortunately, rooibos, um, red bush tea, is not currently known to be safe during pregnancy. So if you are pregnant and looking for a caffeine-free alternative, unfortunately, we put a cross next to rooibos as well. There are um, several herbal teas that are safe to have in pregnancy and what I will do is add the list of those into the show notes so that you can see you know here are some that you can pick from some tasty tea options if if you're looking for um, a tea alternative there so let's talk about chocolate that is a favorite many women (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I, I guess um 
chocolate, it's also, you know, contains caffeine because it's made out of cocoa bean, uh, although though it, it's a smaller amount. Um, the what what uh, you basically the darker the chocolate, the more cocoa contained. So meaning the amount of caffeine uh, will increase as well. Um, and again, the it will uh, vary depending on the product you buy. Uh, so one of the tips I can give is uh, so always look at ingredient list. So that's where you can actually identify how much the actual cocoa powder, uh, the as an active ingredient in there. Um, but also to take note that some product I know that they actually also add an additional caffeine powder separately in the chocolate itself. Be very careful. That's why we always want to read the ingredient list to find out exactly what goes into that product. Yeah, good one. No, I didn't realize that um, they add extra caffeine into chocolate. Is that to make it kind of an energy chocolate choice? Yeah, yeah. So one of the elements um, that contain in, in chocolate is our why do we feel, you know, happy or energy lifting whenever we eat chocolate? It's because there was a something called tilbromide. Uh, it helped to elevate the mood and energy. Uh, but some products, they can also add in just a little bit of caffeine in there as well, just to give you that extra, again, energy boost as well. Uh, so if you're trying to conceive during pregnancy, I will always just do, you know, take extra precaution in terms of food safety just read the uh foot the ingredient list and foot label good one now do you have any guidance as to and it's going to be a rough guess here but to the amount of caffeine contained mm. in chocolate so that we can get an idea of how much is safe to have how much might be a bit too much Yep, yep. So uh we're looking at in a typical dark or uh milk chocolate bar uh, it's approximately uh, about 10 milligram of caffeine per 50 gram of chocolate bar so roughly about say three or four square size uh, it, it has about 10 milligram of caffeine so this is not a lot compared to a cup of espresso coffee um, so I always will advise my patient look if it's something that you enjoy from time to time it is okay to have you know, maybe two square size of chocolate but certainly you don't want to over, over indulging it at one go when it comes to chocolate. Yes, that's a really good point. I mean, I, I do know people that in pregnancy because of the nausea, because they're so tired, because mm -hmm. there's nothing else in the pantry to grab, you know, chocolate is the go-to. And some people find that they just eat a lot more than they, they probably should. And, and being aware though of the, the caffeine content and the effects of it is really important. Um, but yeah, you're right. We're not saying don't have chocolate. I mean, that's criminal. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I do think that's okay to enjoy it, but just, you know, pay attention to the portion size. And if in doubt, and you want to just ensure that your diet is the best possible, you know, thing it can be, where you're really taking care of yourself and baby, um, Catherine and I and other fertility dietitians, I mean, we are so passionate about helping you get there and sort of making it really clear so that you know what you, you can have a lot of um, and what to maybe to limit, but all within your preferences, your tastes, your, um, your likes. So we, um, yeah, we look forward to working with you. But Catherine, I'd just like to say again, thank you so much for your time, your expertise. It's been a privilege to have you on the show. Thanks, Anna. I really enjoyed coming on the show.